I still don't hear the uh, boots that everybody mocks Canada for, but... Uh Welcome to Show Me Your Mic, the podcast about podcasting. You can find it online at goodstuff.fm slash SMYM or on Twitter at SMYM underscore FM. I'm your host, Chris Enzo. For this episode, I've got Reagan and Nate, two of the four hosts of The Short Game, a podcast that talks about video games that ideally take less than 10 hours. We talk about video games, of course, and what led to the creation of The Short Game, how to have a good discussion with four folks over Skype, and the tips Reagan has for editing in Logic Pro X or Pro 10, something I'd recently upgraded to as well, finally. My thanks to Campaign Monitor and A Small Orange for supporting this episode of Show Me Your Mic. More about them a little later in the show. For now, here's my conversation with Reagan and Nate. Getting into your show, the, the short game, tell me a bit about where there you go <laughs> there's the about uh where it's uh where it started from i don't know who wants to take this um sure. but yeah sure so um the short game is you know it's a show about uh, well we've gone through a number of different sort of taglines for it over the year or so we've been going but um uh we kind of have settled on that it's a show about fitting games into your life um i'm uh i'm really into video games obviously uh but like I went through a long period where I didn't have a lot of time to play them and I kind of fell out of video gaming and then I got really into certain games and wanted to start playing more games and I also sort of got into a point in my life where I had enough time to uh, time to start playing games again but by that point I had this enormous backlog of games you know things like steam sales and humble bundles tend to you know just pile things onto you and eventually you've got what seems like a mountain of games to play and no way to decide what to play. And so uh, I kind of decided to attack that. Just personally, I was you know, playing games totally on my own. Hadn't decided on doing a podcast about anything yet. But uh, I decided to start attacking things from shortest to longest because it seemed like a good way to kind of knock things out and uh, you know, help me decide what to play. It's like paying off student loans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, that was a good approach. Uh, you know, I started finding that there's a lot of really neat games that are in this very short um, sort of time frame, um, uh, partly because of the indie game, you know, revolution over the last, you know, decade or so, uh, most of those games tend to run fairly short. Uh, and they're also where a lot of the innovation is happening. You know, those games are less expensive to make and they're usually made by small teams. So they have smaller scopes, but they're also where people can, you know, risk things. They can try interesting new concepts in video games, new game design ideas, you know, new, you know, new types of characters, new types of stories. Um, so it's this area of games that people often kind of malign, you know, when, when you read a, a video game review, often if it's short, people say, oh, that's, you know, that's bad. That's, you know, that's, uh, that's something that counts against it. People expect games to be these epic, you know, endless, I can buy this game one time and literally play it for the rest of my life. But that's not, that's not how I play games. Um, and I didn't see anybody out there kind of celebrating games that you can actually complete as an adult with a job. So that's where the show concept came from. Yeah. And I can certainly identify to that and, and adding kids into the mix who, at, for me, that was kind of like the, I used to play like you video games a lot as a kid and then yeah, adulthood hits and suddenly I had, you know, I had the Xbox and stuff, but I wasn't 
necessarily having much time to play a lot of the games and uh and yeah the for me it was is uh minecraft that finally sort of pulled me back into i'd rent you know hockey games and sports games and stuff but uh but yeah something like minecraft that my son now is seven almost eight and old enough to sort of get into and that was kind of the thing that pulled me back in and then yeah discovering steam and and stuff like that was like oh there's like this whole treasure trove of (laughs) of games that are here and and then it yeah like you said it becomes overwhelming almost now where to begin and what to where to start and that's what i love about your show is that that idea of just dissecting it at a, a level that's keeps the the discussion interesting and uh but introduces you to games that you wouldn't otherwise it sounds funny to say like even if it's a, a few dollars for an ios game but you know lacking a trial or lacking a really good recommendation from somebody else i'm not that inclined to sp- spend bucks like money and time on a on a game unless i know i'm going to get something good out of it so yeah, and I, I actually think it's almost a more satisfying way to play video games. I know, as someone who's who came from a long history of playing, uh, you know, MMO RPGs, like there was about five years of my life where pretty much all I played was uh, like World of Warcraft, basically, and it was fun. It was great, but there's something about completing a game and having that complete experience that you know when it's done, it's done, and maybe you want more, maybe you're waiting for a sequel, but at least it's completed and you've feel like you completed it and with this podcast uh what have we we just hit our 40th episode and i haven't been on every Mm -hmm. single uh episode but that means i've played at least 35 to 40 games over the last year that i probably wouldn't have normally just picked up and played and and it i really feel like i've expanded my you know gaming vocabulary as well as just having a lot of fun playing all these games and then we try and dive in with each game and talk about why it's interesting. Um, so I've got I've got three hosts, uh, three co-hosts now. I'm really fortunate in this regard because I happen <laughs> to know a lot of really um, interesting people who are willing to kind of spend several hours a week talking about video games and planning and playing games along with me. And um, so uh, I've got um, Nate here, of course. Uh, Nate, I met when we were both working for uh, working at an Apple store in in St. Louis, and uh, you know we had a lot of. Uh, games in common and you know this this uh, show kind of spun out of uh, discussions that we had about video games while we were working there um, but I've also got on the show and unfortunately couldn't join us today um, my twin brother Shane um, hey Shane um, <laughs> hi mom yeah hi mom <laughs> I think he might be listening he's in our chat group right oh, now oh is so. he oh nice well, yeah go. so we'll see hey bro um, so yeah <laughs> we we uh, we live in different places but we're really close and this was a great way for us to uh, you know, we, we already were kind of playing games together and trying to find you know ways to talk about them this has been a lot of fun and then our our newest although not very new she's been with us now for a while our our uh, probably our biggest asset <laughs> as a show is uh, Laura Nash, who is a uh, uh, well, I think her official job title is like digital strategist, but um, she's the only one of us with any like actual qualifications <laughs> <laughs> within uh, gaming, right? Is what you mean? Right. Excuse me. <laughs> Not just, just qualifications. Period. No, just just qualifications. <laughs> Generally <laughs> speaking, yeah, she's um, she's uh, worked in the game industry a little bit, and uh, and it has uh, a really good sense of game design and brings a lot to our discussions. So. Um, I think as the four of us, it's really made a good, uh, uh, it's an editing nightmare, but it's made a good <laughs> dynamic. Yeah. Do you have, I haven't listened to obviously, well, not obviously, but I haven't listened to all the episodes, but do you have sort of like, uh, ideally you want everybody there and then sort of like whoever can make it or how do you sort of decide who of the four is going to be on a particular episode? Well, it's kind of, 
I think a quorum is three. You know, we have to have uh, we have to have enough of us to have a lively discussion. Um, we we have a number Every of episodes with just two in it. They yeah. sometimes work well, but the best is when we have three or more. Um, I we guess have it, a, sorry, yeah. we have a gr- yeah we have a group chat going where we basically throw out games and uh, we kind of make a decision on the next couple games we're going to play. Everybody tries to get those games, and then pretty much whoever has it beat and has time in their schedule to record. Uh, that's pretty much how we decide who's going to be there. And fortunately, it's majority of the time, I'd say it's the four of us. It's it's probably less than half of them have not all four of us. Sometimes we'll it's be- a matter of what platform the game is on. So like mm-hmm. uh, I play and have pretty much everything because I'm that kind of nerd. But, you know, um, for example, like Laura um, primarily plays on um, PCs and iOS uh, recently bought a Nintendo DS, and we're very excited to start talking about uh, <laughs> the new uh, the new Zelda game. Not new, um, the the um, uh, Link Between Worlds. Uh, for oh, that game is so exciting. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it depends on who's got what platforms as well. So. Right. Yeah, that's funny you bring that up. That's what's uh, this past Christmas. My again, my son, who we had sort of like he had had his eyes on getting a DS because a lot of his friends at school have a DS, and we ended up deciding to convince sort of decided for him or convinced him <laughs> that we should mm-hmm. pool our money, so to speak, and get a Wii U just because it would be more fun for the whole family. But yeah. it is the the DS idea is something that's uh, going, again, going back to Game Boys of my era or whatever is still a fun thing and just like, but again, it's like, where do you begin with games and, and trying to, there's just so many options out there. But um, I'll, I'll save my questions for what I should be doing with video games for maybe a, another episode or something. <laughs> Try <laughs> just to... go through our uh, our back catalog of episodes. Yeah. Pull one at random. And... Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like... kind of been part of the the plan for the show was that oh, I want our back catalog not to not to be dated. Uh, I mean, we've gotten better at doing the show, so probably our more recent episodes sound and and work better than our our, our first few. But um, I'd like somebody to be able to go back to our back catalog of shows and look at it kind of as uh, you know a shelf of games where you can decide on something, play the game in you know an evening or a weekend, and also have something to listen to where we kind of dissect it a little bit. I kind of model our show a little bit in that way on uh, shows like The Incomparable, where you know their their back catalog of episodes is sort of evergreen. It's really just about what are you interested in, and hopefully finding something in that back catalog to listen to that'll kind of tie into your interests. Yeah, and how do you sort of resist, or maybe you don't, I guess, but resist the urge just to do the latest, greatest always? Like, um, And you sort of alluded to, I guess, the fact that you, you're you getting back into gaming and, and have been or whatever for a little while, but like, you know, the, the new um, something or other comes out that I'm drawing a blank I think on. It, but yeah. I think it depends on the type of game that's coming out. We've certainly had a few where the game has come out and we've done an episode uh, like right after. I mean, just recently we did an episode on Life is Strange, which is a game that, I mean, we were recording, what, a week after it had been released? and Yeah, and that's actually, an episodic game yeah. where it's coming out as we record. I mean, it's it's a five-part uh, adventure game, and it just seems so obviously, blindingly like something that would appeal to the short game audience. You know, we don't know if we can fully, you know, recommend it yet, but our show's not a review show. Um, we just do what we're interested in, and... Um, so something like Life is Strange, we're kind of treating it like a book club, but something like our most recent episode where we were kind of talking about um, Grim Fandango uh, or maybe like one of our episodes from 
like our, our Portal episode, for example, um, which is maybe one of my favorites, we're really talking about the game's importance as a historical you know, thing in the history of gaming and uh, what sets that game apart from other games from its era. Um, so yeah, it really depends on the game. We just sort of play what we think we can fit. Yeah, we don't really have any rules as far as... I guess the only rule that we have is we try... Our, our soft cap is 10 hours. Certainly we have games that... Uh, have gone over that and some games you can just play forever um like we've done a few roguelikes like faster than light one of my favorite games of all time which technically it's just you can play forever i think i have like 150 hours in that but we consider a complete experience under 10 hours and you know i think tomb raider got more to about 12 hours or so but for the most part that uh, took you 12 hours <laughs> <laughs> I Sick think burn. that's about the only yeah. Uh come on man, this is live. Um, <laughs> I think that's our only rule. And even we break that sometime. Other than that, it's what sounds fun. Sometimes we'll get in, you know, we've done two or three uh point and click adventure games in a row. So it's like, well, let's do something that's a little more action-y or let's do something a little more puzzly or hey, we've been too, doing too many puzzle games. Let's go back to something story-based. But we don't really have anything else besides that as far as what dictates what we play. Right. And that's what the Life is Strange is a funny one you mentioned because I just was on my Xbox last night and I've got like they've changed it to dollars now, I think from credits, right? Xbox Live dollars yes. now or whatever. But I have 20 or something in the in my account from way back when that I was planning to use it for something and I forget what and so I'm, I'm just always worried I'm going to forget about it but then I'm like so I was looking through the store online on there and it's just a it's the Xbox 360 and Life is Strange was on there I was kind of looking I was like that looks interesting I wasn't sure and yeah then I see just prepping for the podcast that there it is as an episode so I'll go listen to that and then decide if it's something I want to use some of my money before I forget about it on on the Xbox marketplace but um yeah, it's 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 interesting what you said there. Just the idea of I was thinking back again to like gaming of my youth, where it was like obviously whatever was the newest, latest, greatest was the best game ever, and you wouldn't play. I'm trying to think of something beyond the sports genre games, but like you know NHL 14 or whatever obviously would be better than NHL 13. Nobody like although except for NHL 94 obviously is the best one ever, but <laughs> <laughs> but people wouldn't like look back with uh, and really. It, you know, it's always kind of like, what's the newest one coming out? And I love what's going on in gaming now. And it probably was back then too. I'm sure I just wasn't mature enough to understand why, but that, you know, an older game still is a great thing. Like you, I forget which one you mentioned, Nate, but that was, you know, your the greatest game of all time in your opinion. And, um, and that, that still holds value in the same way that other art does, you know, like a music, uh, an album or whatever, obviously doesn't matter. Exactly. When it came yeah. Out. Yeah. I think it comes from a shifting of, of seeing games as a, consumer product like electronics like if i think back to my youth you know games were seen as toys um and they were essentially uh, you know a, a consumer product there's something that you um you would buy because it had a checklist of features um and that's not how people are seeing games today or at least not how i see them uh, i see them more as just a, a an artwork you know a piece of of culture um and i think it's about cultural literacy you know part of the reason that we want to that I, I was excited about this project, this podcast, and also sort of my project of just playing a heck of a lot of games, um, is that it's about cultural literacy. You know, you wouldn't be considered a, a literate person if you uh, if you only read one kind of book, or maybe only read one series of book. You know, if to be a person who's sort of really interacting with a culture, in this case, gaming culture, you need to experience a lot of different types of things. Um, 
but I can't devote my entire life and every waking hour to completing every game that comes out. So I have to kind of be a little more selective. I also think as far as like the longevity of it too, is a lot of games, especially as like new systems come out, they're kind of showpieces for the system. And those don't tend to last. The ones that focus on graphics and features like that, because as you know, technology moves forward, obviously they don't really look as good anymore or they don't play like they used to. Or I don't know, just look at old first person shooters to new first person shooters. They're like impossible to play because the control, the control scheme has just gotten so much better. But a lot of the games that we focus on, sure, some of them have some beautiful graphics, but that's generally not the point. The point is more a beautiful story or an interesting mechanic or something like that. And those things hold up for a long time. I, I think they pretty much hold up forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's, it seems like anyways, um, and the last episode, your most recent episode is ironically about a game that's what was 20 years old, I think, mm-hmm. Grim Fandango. Almost, yeah. Which yeah. I think actually, I was trying to remember, I don't, this is just, you know, nostalgia and, and my brain being foggy, but it feels like it's one of the last sort of adventure games that I tried anyways, and got really frustrated with. And then it perpetually was sitting on the shelf back when you had to have CDs and and boxes for games on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, because that game is impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and they remastered it recently. Obviously, that's what you guys have talked about. I won't, we won't dissect your whole recent episode, but suffice to say, people should go listen to it. Um, and uh, But yeah, it was kind of like, that was the, one of the last games I remember trying. Because before that, I think if my chronology, chronology is uh, correct, is uh, like Police Quest and stuff like that, and King's Quest, mm-hmm. I played through all those. And those were easy enough to go to the next level or next storyline or, you know, keep the thing moving without cheating too much or whatever, relying on walkthroughs and stuff like you guys talked about. But, but that one, yeah, it broke me down and and made me stop. And I, even though I'd bought it and it was kind of like a a painful thing to admit, I wasn't going to finish this game that I bought. (laughs) Yeah. And I hate that feeling. Um, and so a lot of what we talk about is, you know, how you approach a game with something like Grim Fandango. Um, you know, we, a big part of our episode is about how, what is playing this game in 2015 like, and how, you know, if you're going to fit this game into your life, you know, I think it's an important game and I think it's a lot of fun. And so you, um, you know, there's so many amazing things in that game that you, you really don't want to miss. Um, so you shouldn't let that feeling of I'm stuck. I'm, you know, I'm never going to get through this stop you. And you know, so we talked about some of the strategies and, and, uh, you know, our philosophies on walkthroughs and things about how to, how to, get through that game in 2015 and have an amazing time without feeling, you know, stymied by some of the design choices that were of their era. Right. <laughs> I was just listening to the, the part where we talked about the walking versus running and how I remember that too, of just like endlessly walking. And, and I, someone on the show had figured out you could run and I don't remember I figured out that you could run <laughs> yep. or not. And <laughs> just, yeah. Well, it was only, yeah, it was, uh, it was me that figured out I could run. And by figured out, I mean I complained really loudly into our chat about how <laughs> slow I am at walking. And Reagan was like, hey, dude, just hold R2. <laughs> I was like, I'm using a keyboard. Oh, it's left shift. Right. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I just got to take a quick break for a sponsor to in the midst of our discussion here. And then we'll get into some of the podcast stuff about how you're recording and, and things like that. And uh prepping for the shows and things like that. So um, our first sponsor for this episode is Campaign Monitor, who make it super easy for you to create and send and optimize your email marketing campaigns. You can design beautiful emails in minutes with their easy-to-use template builder. Send more relevant emails by displaying content catered to your individual subscribers. And best of all, your email will look great on any device, iPhone 6 down to 
You guys talked about Palm Pilots. I don't know if they've tested on Palm Pilots anymore, <laughs> but <laughs> they might. Uh, it just doesn't get any easier than this. You can uh, set up an email campaign with your list, subscriber form, all that kind of stuff very easily. Get started sending out uh, awesome-looking emails to people today. You can visit campaignmonitor.com to get started. My thanks to them for supporting good stuff and show me your mic. So um, you alluded to just... Uh, Folks might wonder, I guess, what you might be using. You alluded to a group chat room. Are you just using something like a Google chat thing, or do you have something more sophisticated that you're sort of... We had been using um, GroupMe, which is a pretty good group chat app, and it's free. It's uh, now owned by Skype. But um, we eventually discovered Slack, which is way better for us. Um, I, I know probably a lot of folks will be familiar with Slack, but it, it's it's um, kind of marketed as a business tool, although it is a is a fun app. But it's fantastic for for planning podcasts or even just for um, any kind of group. Uh, it lets you create an. Um, first off, it's free if you're using it for um, like if you don't need the business oriented features, and it's just such a polished app, so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it lets us have separate channels for each game that we're playing, and so it also allows those who like. Like Shane is in France right now, so we knew he was not going to be on the last two episodes. And so the games that we've been playing, we've been able to have a channel on the chat group that he's just not in. And it just kind of cuts down on the like, you know, we use this a lot. And so there's a lot of pop up or, you know, a lot of notifications all day. And if you're not actually involved in it, it's kind of nice to just not get a, you know, a hundred different dings in your pocket all day for something you're not really involved in. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That's, we use it here as well at at Good Stuff. And it's, I think it'd be overstating it probably to say we couldn't do good stuff without Slack because, I mean, obviously people did things like this before with groups of people and there's other tools, like you said, like GroupMe or whatever, but it's hard to imagine it going as well and as smoothly as it does. And and, and yeah, like I think as much as it, in the tech world, it feels like everybody's aware of Slack. I know that in the quote unquote normal world, they're not. And And even like, I feel like it's a tool where I've often thought about in my, I run a website design business and... It's just setting up a thing for clients one to one almost. It's it just feels like it's an easier way for people because the apps are so polished, like you said, um, to to use to have communication going on with folks who are also online, obviously a lot and things like that. So, um, yeah, and that's a good right. good tip actually of breaking down. Like sometimes it feels like why would I use another channel because we're just all like there's five of us or six of us we can just all see it. It doesn't matter. But yeah, helping folks with not getting information overload. Uh, mm-hmm. by and I even use it when I'm doing show notes. You know, over the course of playing the game, we're constantly chatting about the game in the Slack channel, and um, it will paste in links. We'll mention our thoughts, and then at the end, you know, before I archive the channel, uh, I take a look back over it. And as I'm putting together show notes for the episode, you know, sometimes a lot of what was in that Slack channel just goes right into the show notes. Yeah, it's awesome. And that's like you said, as long as you're not, uh, if you're not paying for it, your message history dies off eventually 10,000 messages or something at archives and then you don't see them anymore. So as long as, as, long as your notes don't go back that far that you're, <laughs> you're yeah. going to drop off or whatever. Um, and then are you using Skype, I presume, or what are you using for communicating mm-hmm. when you're actually recording a show? Mm-hmm. So we are, uh, we are doing what a lot of folks call the double ender over Skype, although it's really a quad ender, I guess. <laughs> And um, that's sometimes presents a bit of a recording challenge, but we are in four different locations across the country. So, um, you know, I'm out in Mountain View, California. Um, everybody else is on central time, but they're all in different cities. So, you know, Nate's in uh, in St. Louis. Uh, my brother Shane is in Houston, Texas, where I grew up. And uh, Laura is in Chicago. And so um, we're pretty 
pretty geographically diverse and it would be impossible for us to record together. So fortunately, um, I've, you know, there's a lot of good resources out there now. Uh, and Skype obviously is the linchpin of all of this. If, if Skype ever changes in some really dramatic way that makes it impossible to, uh, to record, for example, or something, then I think we might be having to close down the show, but, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see if with Microsoft owning them, it seems like they've kept the, at least the openness or the freeness anyways for now. And, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. so, um, and as do you use, uh, like the Slack thing as far as when you're live recording as well? Is that a conversation you have sort of going back channel to queue up discussions and things, or does it kind of just each one person takes the lead and, and runs the show kind of thing? We'll sometimes paste things into the Skype chat just because that's easiest as we're as we're recording. But to be honest, right. we don't do a lot of back channel talk behind the, you know, we'll just talk. And if it ends up being something that's, you know, show chatter, I'll edit it out in the in the edit. Um, so we we don't really do a whole lot of uh, of of typing behind the other problem is that I have an incredibly loud keyboard. I'm, I'm very devoted. It is to, ridiculous. Yeah, here we go. Listen to that. <laughs> I, I, um, I understand that it has to be satisfying when you're typing. Oh yeah. But that is like, there's the nothing like a mechanic, uh, mechanical yeah. keyboard. Oh. It's an anti podcast keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have to limit Google searches to my phone. If, if I need to reference something during right. the show. <laughs> yeah. For sometimes we'll, and we'll also just like stop and be like, Hey, do we want to talk about this? Do we want to talk about this? Since we're not recording live or, you know, people aren't listening in live, we have that ability. But um, I at this point, I think we have enough of a, um, you know, we'll have a show outline before, more or less a show outline before we start. And just our general conversation, we we kind of have it down at this point where we don't have to do too much, uh, like, show planning in the middle of the show. Mm-hmm. We, we definitely do stop a, from uh, time to time. We have started doing a, uh, a sort of an outline in Google Docs before we jump in. And we've gone through a lot of different processes there. It's still sort of in flux. But um, we do a bit of an outline beforehand, which we'll just chat over and agree upon and, and then kind of follow it as we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I feel like it's often there's tools that come out that are sort of maybe slightly better and so you try them out or whatever but then yeah fall back on things like google docs and things that are fairly well established and simple and usable um and uh and even like you said the the sort of outlining a show with four people and and different people having obviously ideas and things they want to talk about has has that sort of morphed and changed or or is it kind of like i said sometimes a a multi-person show there's one person who just leads the discussion through things like a comparable (laughs) kind of idea versus well, I would say Reagan is our fearless leader. Well, <laughs> well thank you. Well, I own the domain and my word is law. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Dictator or leader. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. But I mean, honestly, more or less, I think we do kind of lean on. We all, as that once episode gets started and we're deep into it, I think it's it's more fluid. But as the show starts, you know, Reagan generally will drive the discussion until it until it opens up enough where we just got to have a good back and forth. Right. My challenge is really to uh, to shut up more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's. I mean, it is a challenge, and, and not not because of you per se, <laughs> but presumably <laughs> you're getting together on a podcast with folks who want to talk about this thing, and then everybody's excited about you know some aspect of painful grim fandango or whatever you happen to be talking about, and wanting to get their point across, and and just having four folks. Do you aim sort of for a, a rough timeline? I'm trying to remember what how long the recent episode I listened to was, but is it a well, goal to be a certain time, or just let the discussion go? 
Well, um, my goal for the show is for episodes to generally be around an hour. Uh, when we first started out, we, we had a lot of episodes that were much longer than that. We've gotten a lot better now at sort of tailoring our discussions to that time frame. Um, and there are some episodes where we'll go shorter. We have a, we have a sort of a mini episode thing we sometimes do called a short episode where and this is something we kind of drop in when we have something where we don't want to cover a particular game we want to cover something a little more esoteric like video game music was our our most recent one um or uh, or sometimes we just do it because you know we as much as we talk about fitting games into our lives like sometimes we have a hard time fitting games into our lives and we need an extra week to get these longer short games the eight to ten hour games we decide we'll uh, kind of break it up a little bit and give us an extra week to play the game we want to cover. So we'll cover something a little less, uh, you know, like Reagan was saying, like video game music. Yeah. And that lets us keep something in the feed, even on those weeks where maybe we don't have a time to have the have the ability to play a new game each week and uh, and talk about it at length with, you know, <laughs> intelligent thoughts. <laughs> and um, is that that was, I guess, the next question was it's a weekly your goal is weekly release of the podcast or whatever, sort of following mm-hmm. that model. Yeah, and we've been close to that. Um, you know, when we were first getting started, I think it was a little harder. We've really gotten into more of a rhythm now. Um, but yeah, we're we're um, we're pretty close to uh, a pretty much straight release per week. We've um, generally been releasing on Mondays, although that day of the week has shifted from time to time as we kind of uh, figured out how to do this thing. And um, yeah, um, I've been pretty pretty pleased with what we've accomplished. We've been uh, we're up to forty episodes now, not including our short episodes in under a year. So that's you know we're approaching that fifty two episodes in a year mm-hmm. um, marker. So um, yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. That's and it's no easy feat for especially. It's one thing uh, I have a solo show that I do, and and then it's just me that has to show up and and I can be at fault or not if the show gets out. But for when you're involving, you know, like you said, at least try to get three people of if not four. Mm-hmm. And schedules and and commitment and stuff that's it's no easy feat to do and uh so that's that's awesome you've like you said 40 official episodes in in mm-hmm. the year is pretty good and uh um going back to spinning back to gear and stuff the so going from skyped out out to microphones and stuff what are what are people using for microphones on the show well, this is probably a big area of, uh, of opportunity for improvement for us. Uh, we are uh, we are a diversity of microphones. Um, I've, uh, I bought a, a mic that I'm still surprisingly happy with, um, even though it was something that I sort of bought as a temporary mic when we were first getting started and I wasn't really ready to go all in with a super expensive microphone. I'm using a Audio-Technica ATR2500 USB, which is a, you know, uh, 60 to $80 um, USB condenser mic. Um, I, I think it's actually a pretty decent mic. I got it in a, you know, little suspension-y, what do you call those things? Shock mount? Shock mount, yeah. Yes. And, uh, with a pop filter and all that sort of thing. But, um, being a condenser mic, it has a tendency to pick up a lot of outside sound. Um, but But maybe like a loud keyboard or something. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, but I, I like the way it sounds for the most part, and um, so I haven't been as eager to replace it as I was kind of expecting to be. Um, but that's probably on the horizon for me. Nate, I forget what's your whole setup. Nate's in a Nate's in a hipster indie band, um, <laughs> so he's got a lot of audio Thank equipment. Are there, well, are there yeah, non hipster indie bands, or is, <laughs> no, I think it just comes with the territory? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually have been looking at moving into a condenser mic because I in a uh, a more quiet environment actually in the process of kind of building a little vocal booth in my basement. But um, 
I'm recording into an uh, Shure SM58, which if you've ever been to any type of uh, venue or anything like that, it's probably the vocal microphone right. that yeah. the uh, that they're using. I've got a pop filter on that, and that's running into an Alasis IO2 outbox through XLR, which I then run into my computer, um, into my MacBook Pro. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely the sort of beer-soaked microphone of bars choice. Right? <laughs> bars. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, and then your co-host, do you oh. know what they are Yes. Yes. Um, so my brother has, I don't even remember, I'm afraid. Uh, he, he has a, uh, well, some kind of USB mic. But actually, uh, I, I kind of abused the poor guy. Um, Shane initially was using some kind of terrible headset mic, and then I bothered him enough that he bought a, a blue, he bought a Yeti and then it didn't end up sounding good in his space. It was pretty, pretty off. And then I abused him into buying something else. Um, so brothers uh, are four right? and get it and getting a new chair. There's yes, the, yeah, the first like 20 episodes. Shane, I hope you're listening. I've never forgotten that chair. Um, oh, I haven't either because <laughs> I had to edit those sounds out. It probably doubled my editing time. That chair. We finally got him to get rid of that chair. So squeaky, I assume, or something. The show me yeah, your chair. Or like, yeah, like oh yeah, squeaky is I think creaky. Yeah, well, it's like my creaky. grandfather's chair. Um, <laughs> it was a it was an old office chair from the uh, from the twenties, I guess. So um, it's a beautiful chair, but it makes this horrible noise. <laughs> Terrible podcasting chair. Yeah, which actually. That it brings up a point that I know I often am guilty of too, where um, if, especially if you're depending on how much time you spend editing, there's sounds you hear in your studio space or your room or your office or wherever you record that are just normal to you. But then suddenly, like I think last episode I, or two episodes ago now, I forget the chronological. Why am I saying that word if I can't say it? <laughs> the last few episodes anyway, is uh, <laughs> the uh, my kids were in the background screaming because I was recording at a different time. They were playing or whatever outside the door, which just is a normal sound to me. And I didn't even really hear it <laughs> while I was recording. And of course, in the edit is like banging and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And uh, so um, it's good to edit, I guess, is my the moral yeah, of my story. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh, finally, who are we missing? Laura? Oh, uh, Laura. Uh, Laura is recording with a Yeti. Um, her end, sometimes she, she has a, a sort of a loud apartment. So, but fortunately, um, I'm usually able to, so her, her end often sounds pretty okay, but I'm able to clean up her and my mic and, and some of the others sometimes, um, with sound soap. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with sound soap, but it's, it saves my absolute life on this podcast. Um, sound soap is a, is a plugin or application to uh, lets you isolate sound in a recording and then remove it. Um, it's sort of different from a noise gate. It's like a very, very intelligent noise gate that goes through and you know you you identify uh, like a room tone or a background noise, like a hum or a hiss, and then um, it will go through the entire audio recording and remove that sound even from the places where people are speaking in a way that sounds surprisingly natural. So um, we don't all have great mics and our mics sound pretty different, but um, thanks to SoundSoap, I've got the previous version, SoundSoap 3. It's not cheap. It's like 100 bucks or 150 bucks, but uh, it's uh, it's the only thing that makes this podcast possible, basically. <laughs> and we'll so talk- we're, we're pretty, so let's make a list of things we're reliant upon. Uh, <laughs> Skype, SoundSoap, uh, mechanical keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> Talk, I guess uh, with yeah. that, are you is it something where I know you? We mentioned beforehand that you're using Logic to re- to edit in, right, and record your mm-hmm. end, in, I would assume, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, 
is it something where you use it as a plugin inside Logic or you would take, say, Laura's track and export it out to SoundSoap, clean it up in SoundSoap and then bring it back in? Or how, what's the process for using it? You can do either, but SoundSoap works best as a plugin inside Logic. So um, I just add that to the, actually, um, I'll add it to basically every channel on the thing and go through and find uh, like a, a silent portion and have it uh, isolate the sound of that silence and take it out. And it just makes the rest of my job a lot easier. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then you mentioned like a noise gate, would, which does okay, but it doesn't, if someone's talking, obviously the noise gate doesn't get triggered. And then it's just, uh, you hear all those hisses or chair creaks, I presume. Yeah. You get that hiss sound. Like if with a noise gate, the hiss sound pops in when somebody begins speaking and pops out again when they stop. And that, uh, that actually sometimes makes it more noticeable as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, so each person's recording their own end, presumably whether it's, uh, I would guess, well, I guess what are they using for recording on mm-hmm. their end? I think most of us are using uh, Ecamm call recorder, although I think Laura uses uh, Audio Hijack Pro. Um, doesn't really matter to me as long as they get me a file that's intact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they, so that are using Dropbox or something to share? How, how mm-hmm. do they get this we, to you? Uh, we, we do Dropbox or we've done Google Drive or uh, BT Sync. Um, but now that we have enough space in Dropbox, that's usually the most reliable. I, I've had some situations where other syncing programs have eaten files and Dropbox has never done that. And they have the previous versions thing. So if you accidentally delete a file, you can recover it for a certain period of time. So I feel safest with Dropbox for that. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that too, where people assume that the file or I've got grabbed the file already. I haven't had a chance to, and they take it off and delete it on there. <laughs> Dropbox saves your butt that way, which is kind of nice. And then, so like I said, you bring it into Logic and you're recording and any particular Logic, Logic-y tips that you've got? Like I, I said to you before I started recording, sure. I, I just finally upgraded to Logic Pro 10, so, or X, whatever we're saying, but, mm-hmm. um, and, uh. <laughs> As a former Apple employee, I can tell you that it's 10. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this is one of those little pedantic things that you never truly grow out of when you leave the, uh, the, uh, the Silicon bubble. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, yeah, any particular logic tips that you're using as far as, you know, efficiency and editing and things like that? Sure. Or just... um, everything that I know about podcast editing, I learned by reading in between the lines of things that Jason Snell was writing at Macworld. Um, it, like he, uh, and now actually he's got some really great articles that are just specifically about this since he's left Macworld. I guess they weren't letting him write the uber nerdy podcast stuff that he wanted to write over there, but he worked it into things like reviews of GarageBand where he said, well, wouldn't GarageBand be great if it had these features that Logic has that I use when editing my podcast, that kind of thing. So the two things that, um, Jason Snell of the incomparable taught me about podcast editing, um, thank you so much to Jason Snell, uh, are, uh, the totally like irreplaceable features, strip silence and select all following. Um, basically my, my process when, when I'm doing the edit is first I drop all the files in and I get them synced up and that's just manual, but it doesn't take that much work. So get all the four or however many audio tracks for each, uh, each speaker into, uh, logic and get them synced. And, um, you know, do some cute stuff like color coding them. And then I'll, um, <laughs> oh, then I'll run, um, sound soap on them, of course. And then I use the strip silence option in, uh, in logic. And if you're not familiar, what that does is basically it takes your, you know, your audio segment that's maybe an hour and a half long and it breaks that up. It, it's like a noise gate, but rather than just silencing the silence, it actually takes it out. So you might go from having one audio segment to 300 audio segments. Every time somebody speaks, you've got an audio segment 
when they're not speaking, it drops that out. And so visually, that makes it really, really easy to see what's silent. It also makes it really easy to see unwanted sound because usually it's in its own little isolated audio segment that's easy to just click on and hit delete and it's gone. Um, and then when you're editing, the biggest struggle is talkovers. You know, when you've got four people on Skype, no matter how perfectly synced everything is and no matter how polite everybody is, people are going to be talking over each other. Um, and it happens to us a lot. And there's also a lot of false starts. Somebody will say, oh, but I think, and then they realize somebody else has already been talking for over, you know, three seconds and, and they just shut up and wait their turn. Um, and so you have to take a lot of those out, but then sometimes that can leave gaps. So what you'll need to do is grab everything in your, uh, uh, in your editing tracks from a, from, you know, from one audio segment forward, select all following lets you highlight any, uh, any audio segment, then do a quick keyboard shortcut and it highlights that audio segment and everything else all the way to the end of the track. So if I want to make more room to move things around, or if I want to tighten up uh, a pause or, or get rid of a, a gap where I took something out, um, before that, like when I was using Audacity or GarageBand, that would literally mean I'd have to zoom all the way out to see the whole project, do a little lasso selection of everything, and then move it, and then zoom back in. Um, but you don't have to do that with Logic. You've got the quick select all following, I think it's Shift F, uh, keyboard shortcut. And um, it's so ingrained now that I can make those types of edits really, really quickly and almost don't even have to stop playback to do it. Yeah, that's, I think, I remember Jason Snell, uh, also teaching me that I think via Twitter or something at one point, but um, I'll link to his articles on sixcolors.com, um, which has you know goes goes into great detail a lot of what you discussed there. And um, but the I'd forgotten actually about the strip silencing and and it was something I remember wanting to use obviously, but it wasn't in Express Seven or whatever I had before. But that's um, do you have you ever had it grab stuff that wasn't silenced? I mean, it seems like obviously it should be able to just figure it out, but um, you're you're you rely on it and you trust it. I guess is what I'm. Wondering. I trust it very much. Yeah, it's uh, it's got some settings you can configure so you can set like just like a noise gate You can set, you know, it's attack time how uh, how much essentially Silence to leave before somebody starts speaking and a similar setting for how much afterwards and a sensitivity setting for You know what level something has to be at before it decides it's silence um, You know if you uh, Odds are if it's below a certain point, it's probably just the cat walking across the table or something. You know, you can just take that stuff out automatically. Yeah. Awesome. And then um, so going from that, I guess any other plugins or things that you would recommend or you use uh, as far as uh, editing and, or producing? the shows? Sure. Um, I drop a lot of music into the show and um, this is going to be uh, a little on the um, I don't I don't think it's anything controversial really, but uh, one of the great things about video game soundtracks is that usually they're not expensive. You can grab them on Bandcamp, but um, even ones that aren't, it's easy to get audio from video games, clips and things like that from YouTube because everybody, it seems, uploads hundreds of hours of video game content to YouTube <laughs> every day. And um, so a lot of what I'll do is just quickly grab some audio from YouTube videos using YouTube DL, which is a, um, a command line uh, like OS 10 utility that you can install that just, you know, is so simple. It's a dead simple way to grab video or audio from YouTube videos. And that makes it easy to, to drop a little bit of extra content into the show. And I like to, I like to kind of make the show sound a little more interesting by dropping in soundtrack audio or clips of dialogue from the game or other things to kind of, um, connect you with the game that we're playing. Well, yeah, there's so much that, you know, we talk about what it looks like and we'll talk about the music, but it, we, 
it's the only thing from a game that we can actually be like via podcast where we can say this is what it is here you go and so playing video game music i think is a is is perfect for the show and kind of allows us to not have to try to describe it when we can just play it yeah it's awesome yeah it's definitely uh like you alluded to with Bandcamp, and that's actually i noticed where you've got your your intro music for your show, uh, your podcast itself is from an artist who's listed on Bandcamp, um, sort of chiptune kind of intro. And um, which yeah, Slime is- Girls. Slime Girls is awesome, by the way. Um, if you like um, chiptune rock, like Anamanaguchi, for example, check out Slime Girls. Um, I believe he, I've never met Slime Girls, whether it's a he or a she. I think it's a I think it's a he. I think it's an individual. Um, but uh, their album. Um, vacation geez what is it called okay the album that's up on Bandcamp is great and um uh, i i encountered them uh long before we used them for the show but uh, they were kind enough to specifically let us use their music for our show's intro it's great yeah and actually i was going to ask you about that is the process obviously each artist will be slightly different probably but um approaching them you know through whatever contact form or twitter or whatever that they might have and and negotiating that was it fairly easy to do and and what um how did that process work for you yeah, um, I just asked on Twitter, um, and uh, they were kind enough to say yes. And I mean, I I hope they don't change their mind. Follows <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we're super taking popular. that back. Yeah, <laughs> here's our lawyer. We'll be going through your episodes. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you mean, but and that's um, I think again with the rise of indie games, also rise of obviously indie music being really easy to do on hipster or otherwise on the web and uh <laughs> and uh but having yeah access to that kind of stuff and and not necessarily just relying because um you can pay tens of dollars or hundreds of dollars for music sometimes on on the web and it's kind of nice gives them a little bit of promotion as well and uh, maybe you work out something where you do have to pay somebody or whatever but it, yeah there's plenty of indie music artists that are out there that i think we can work together with and share each other's kind of creativity that we're doing here yeah to promote promote stuff so um one more tool that i should mention before we move off of talking about the process of getting the dang thing online mm-hmm. um is uh Auphonic. i know a lot of folks have probably heard about it on this show before because i think it's becoming pretty popular um but uh Auphonic, that's a-u-p-h-o-n-i-c is a, a web app that you upload an audio file to, and then it does a number of processes on it. And I don't need it for like I've got um, SoundSoap doing most of the you know uh, background audio removal and things like that. But uh, before I started using that, I was constantly getting. I feel like people will forgive a bad quality microphone; they can listen through it. In most cases, um, people will forgive. Uh, an editing mistake here or there. But if you blast their ears with a loud segment after a very quiet segment, mm-hmm. they'll immediately you know, delete your podcast from their app and never listen to it again. Um, I got a lot of comments on our early episodes about inconsistent volume levels. And I had no idea why, because I can't tell, but it's, there's just so many little points of failure. You know, there's the volume of your system audio. Um, in my case, headphones, there's the volume of Logic's playback. There's the actual volume automation within Logic. And then there's the volume of your actual audio tracks each individually. And I just had such a hard time making sure that everything was a consistent volume. And I'm not an audio engineer enough to really handle that myself using the tools that are available in Logic. So um, Auphonic is pretty darn cheap. Um, I think I've spent all of 20 bucks on it in the entire course of the podcast. Um, but you just upload your audio file to it. In this case, I upload like the WAV file I, I um, you know bounce out of Logic. Uh, 
and that uploads and then they process it. They do their special sauce to make sure that the levels are perfect. And then they automatically upload it for you to whatever your host is. So in my case, um, it takes that file, it drops a copy into Dropbox for my copy, it puts a copy onto Amazon S3, and it also puts a copy onto YouTube uh, where it adds a video track with the um, with the show artwork. Now we're not actually using that yet, but it's something we're kind of exploring. So those are that you. If you search for us on YouTube, you won't find those. But um, it's it's something that I uh, have been doing with an eye towards possibly making our stuff available there too. Um, Alphonic is great, and I totally recommend it. Yeah, that's I. I it's it has come up a lot in in the last whatever 10, 15 episodes of this show too, where more and more folks are starting to explore it and use it in various ways. And um, and it sounds like you so you dump everything just into one file, your intro music included, et cetera, and you know sound other clips all into one file and just use the web version for now, right? Is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The um uh, the web version has those options to automatically like distribute the file for you too, and that's been yeah. really useful. It'll also uh, add tags. Um, and you know, I, I know they offer a desktop version and I wouldn't be opposed to paying for it, but it doesn't have all the features of the web version. So I just use that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like I said, previous episodes too, if you're stuck with a 2007 iMac, for example, hypothetically, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I might be staring at one that it, the web version actually goes quite a bit quicker than what uh, the desktop version. I tried the desktop version and the the web version. Plus then your computer again, in my case is free to do other stuff instead of just sitting there chunking away on on a audio file so because um, it does do quite intensive stuff to the audio it's processing and looking at at things and beats and blips and <laughs> all the other technical mm-hmm. terms but um and yeah offloading that to the web cloud mm-hmm. whatever um definitely helps so yeah um for sure and even even with all the editing it's so much easier now than it used to be you know there's so many easy to use podcast hosts and there's so many um like I use uh, I use a WordPress installation with uh, the PowerPress plugin that takes care of generating your RSS feed for you and does some tracking. So there's there's so many good options out there that make it so much easier than it used to be to put up a podcast. Um, I actually um, this is a bit of a sidebar, but um, my first podcast, which was in 2005. Um, Back when ahead of the game, <laughs> yeah, I was really, I was a really early adopter. I was one of the first people I knew with an iPod. I think I bought my iPod in like 2002, and I was really into podcasts before they were a part of iTunes. I just really love them as a medium, and um, uh, so in 2005, right after iTunes added podcast support, um, uh, I started a podcast with some friends in high school that was called Dollars Dog of Privilege, and it was a comedy <laughs> sketch show podcast. We were kind of going for a uh, and unfortunately, if you search for it now, you won't find it because the the hosting options were so expensive and complicated back then yeah. that, I mean, it was too much for high school students to keep a podcast up. Um, but now it's so easy and it's so inexpensive, you know, S3 or Libsyn or there's there's so many things that, that just make it so much easier to uh, to put up a podcast and get it on iTunes now. So, man, I wish I could go and listen to your 2005 high school comedy <laughs> podcast so bad it was good stuff we had a segment called uh karate are you sure, are you sure it was good stuff <laughs> oh i have no idea actually now but um uh, karate cop was our uh, our recurring character uh he uh he was karate cop judge jury and karate chop <laughs> well it has a good rhyme I'll yeah that and least. uh his he got his he got his karate powers because uh he was struck by a a, a bolt of ancient chinese lightning oh nice actually yeah, as you do. <laughs> That's awesome. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm glad uh, I have a few of the sh- the older shows that I have. I've archive them or whatever and they're still out there and actually it's funny because one of the early ones i did was like a a survivor podcast with my wife actually just to like talk about the show survivor and and for somewhat like and it's about you know whatever seven years ago season of survivor and occasionally i'll see on the stats that that at an episode or three episodes get downloaded and i'm wondering like why are they listening (laughs) like it's a very you know this is about this particular episode and i guess maybe just like video games are going back and rewatching old i don't know yeah but that's yeah that's very topical for somebody to be going back dipping into but it's it's more than just like a random listen it's like they you know obviously five downloads per episode all of a sudden will just pop up and like what were they doing? But whatever, that's their <laughs> prerogative. <laughs> um, okay, so I think we've covered everything related to your show and getting everything out there, obviously. And um, and there's links, obviously, in the show notes um, to the Twitter accounts and stuff associated with the show. Um, what we'll cover just after we take the final break to thank a second sponsor is uh, just the podcast that you guys yourselves listen to and the apps that you guys listen to them on. So get a chance for Nate to talk again here. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, <laughs> um, so Never. <laughs> we just edit it out afterwards. We won't tell him, but... That's um, what I always do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and, a ghost host. Yeah, exactly. Don't even show up. <laughs> but uh, while you guys are doing that, I'll just sort of thank uh, Small Orange, who is uh, not a sponsor affiliate, actually, from for Show Me Your Mic. So if you're looking for web hosting and need a company to do that with, I would recommend checking out a Small Orange, which you can find links to at goodstuff.fm slash SMYM slash 78 is this episode. And they have a simple vision, perfecting hosting while maintaining a homegrown feel with a focus on people, their customers, their employees, and their community. A smaller engine isn't like those big hosting conglomerates. They don't promise unlimited plans that are actually hindered by hidden limitations. Instead, you're only responsible for paying for the resources you need. Whether you're just starting out your own blog or you're running a powerful e-commerce site, they have a plan for you. And uh, like I've mentioned in previous episodes, uh, if you go to the show notes and there's a YouTube video I recorded of just trying out a small orange myself, getting my uh, first account set up with them, 30-minute video screencast thing or so of registering an account, registering a domain, setting up WordPress, getting the first blog post out. It's not a pretty website. I chose a kind of ugly theme at the time, but it (laughs) gets the idea across of how easy it was to get set up and going. So if you're at all, uh, and I keep meaning to, and the plan is to record another, a new episode, just showing how easy it is to then add podcasting to that install. And so if you're at all interested in sort of testing out podcasting and obviously a website to host your podcast with, uh, I'd recommend you check out a small orange. So, and in doing so, you'd be supporting myself and show me your mic. Um, all right. So podcast, I don't know. Nate, why don't you start? Um, give, give Reagan. A, what do I listen to? Yeah. What podcast are you listening to these yeah. days? Um, I listen to a lot of different ones. I like a lot of the different things on the Earwolf network, like a uh, comedy bang bang or, um, how did this get made was actually probably my first real jump into listening to a podcast consistently. I've listened to every single episode that they made and put it and listened to it as it came out. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, it basically they watch old, uh, bad movies and just kind of talk about them. It's a bunch of comedians like Paul Shear and Jason Manzoukas. If you've watched the league, it's guys from that show. Basically, um, I'll, I also really like stuff you should know. It's a podcast where two guys from the How Stuff Works Network just kind of pick a topic and tell you about it. And it kind of fits my drive time. My drive to work and back is about just about 40 minutes. And their podcasts are usually about 40 minutes. 
so I can listen to one episode a day. Um, and then as far as video game stuff, I listen to uh, Watch Out for Fireballs, which we've had those guys on our show uh, a couple times now. And I just recently, based off of the amount of times that Reagan talks about them, started <laughs> started listening to uh, Retronauts, which is another kind of retro video game podcast. Nice. All right, Reagan, how about you? Sure. Well, you asked about what app I use to listen to podcasts, and um, I'm a diehard uh, Instacast uh, user. Um because Instacast has a really good Mac app, and I mostly listen to podcasts sitting at my desk. Um, so I'm also subscribed to like 40 or 45 podcasts. So it's um, uh, it's good to have you know a, a Mac app with good management. You know, it's good to it's easy to to go through and decide what I'm going to listen to at any given time. Um, a few of my favorites would be. Um, First off, in in gaming, the two that Nate mentioned are my two. This is something that I actually have a, a bit of a. Uh, I think there's not enough good video game podcasts. And it's not that there's not a lot of video game podcasts. It's just, and it's probably just a matter of my taste. But video games, you know, I, I think they lend themselves towards YouTube and other things like that. But I just never really got into watching a lot of video on YouTube. Um, a lot of where gaming discussion and, you know, amateur gaming media and even professional gaming media is, is on YouTube. Um, but in podcasts, a lot of the shows are just straight here's what's the newest games that are coming out. You know, let's rehash the news and let's have these four guys sitting around microphones give their opinions about it. And there's some really good shows in that realm, but that's not really what I wanted to do and it's not really what I'm interested in listening to. I wanted, you know, more um, exploration of why a particular game is worth your time and what's interesting about it. You know, the something that would be kind of like the, um, the, uh, the, like a commentary track for a really good game. Right, yeah. Uh, and that's what Retronauts and Watch Out for Fireballs both do. Those are both retro game oriented. I'd like to imagine that our show is shooting for something kind of like that, but not necessarily retro games. Some of the games they cover are old, but a lot of them are very modern. Uh, we're more targeting that that um, people who like that style of discussion. So uh, Watch Out for Fireballs is great. Retronauts is also great. Um, I also listen to a lot of tech shows. You know, when I first started do, thinking about doing a podcast, I was really thinking about doing a tech podcast because I really love tech podcasts. But um, at the time, I was working for Apple, and uh, they have some rules about that <laughs> that would have made it a conflict. So I was never able to do that. But um, I think ATP obviously is the the king in that regard. Uh, Accidental Tech Podcast is amazing, and then a newish one, Rocket, over on uh, Relay FM. Um, has been really exciting. It is really a different perspective. It's got Brianna Wu and a few other really uh, interesting people. And um, there's some games discussion there because um, uh, Brianna is a game designer, but it's uh, primarily just sort of tech things in general from a really interesting perspective. Um, and then I also like a lot of the sort of more feels-oriented podcasts. And so the two I would point out would be The Memory Palace, which is the greatest thing that has ever happened in the podcast space. The Memory <laughs> Palace is such a good show. Uh, did out. you listen to Serial? <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. Um, the Memory Palace is so, so good. No, but if seriously, Serial is really good. But right? yeah, oh, let's talk, yeah. Come on. Come on. It's okay. It's all right. What? No, it was it was fantastic. No, it's right. gone I'm, now. <laughs> it's gone now, so it's dead. We've moved yeah. on. I'm sorry, That's but true. yeah, I'm curious about the Memory Palace. What 
because that's I think that's the first time it's come across, and, and that's oh, really? obviously a pretty pretty big. Uh, I don't want to. Yeah, I think that if you if you listen to one podcast in your lifetime, it should be the Memory Palace. Um, it's got the, so Nate DeMeo, uh, who does it, um, takes Not me. no <laughs> different mate, different Nate um, <laughs> takes uh, historical sort of curiosities and and uh, you know, stories from history and presents them in the most engaging way that you can possibly imagine. It's not like a history podcast where they'll tell you about, you know, battles or something. I think the last episode was uh, about the origin uh, or the first woman to be a um, uh, uh, human cannonball. Um, But it takes those historical anecdotes and tells them in a very narrative, very affecting emotionally way. I try to block out the episodes are never more than about 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes long. And he's, they're very infrequent, maybe one a month. So you can go back and listen to every single one of them. But when a new one comes out, I block out time and I try to make sure that I'm alone because half of the time I end up crying. I mean, it's, it's that good. Um, yeah, it's very powerful stuff. Super, super good. Go back and listen to every single episode of it. And, um, then 99% invisible is, is another one of my favorites. It's about design nominally, but it's, uh, it's from it's one of the public radio e ones, um, but it's uh, it's such an interesting show. So anyway, there's my stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. And that's it's uh, that we were joking obviously about cereal, but like that the sort of storytelling and picking like some obscure. It's almost like the I remember a show. I don't remember who was doing it, but like where they would just grab a random Wikipedia article and read it <laughs> or talk <laughs> about it, um, which sounds kind of goofy in a sense, but that's almost kind of what is really popular obviously with a little more research than just reading the Wikipedia article, but mm-hmm. that idea, like what you described with the memory palace and 99% invisible is, is this sort of like picking some obscure topic that you don't really think about in depth, but then explore that and see where you, where it leads you and what story you can come up out of that. Obviously. Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the entire basis around most of the NPR shows, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this American life, all those things that trans, you know, moved from incredibly popular radio shows to really popular podcasts, uh, pretty much hit that exactly yeah exactly and it's, it's fun it's like uh, i know podcasters tend to be or could be inspired to try and do that but then you quickly realize how much time and research and production and, and stuff is involved obviously like um, you mentioned relay and mike hurley a previous guest in this show is doing a sort of behind the scenes or not behind the scenes but a research piece behind almost. the app yeah, yeah it's been really app, right? interesting <laughs> and yeah. uh that idea but yeah definitely just you know, being inspired by some of these these shows, the big production houses, and doing your own sort of spin on it, obviously, is, is as best as you can and uh, with the resources that you have at, at your feet or hands, I guess. Um, how about, uh, Nate, what app do you use, listen to podcasts with or on or through? I actually have been uh, perfectly content with the basic iOS podcast app. I, I've been told about all the wonderful features <laughs> of the other applications that exist, and I don't know. I just have not felt the need to move to something different. Maybe it's because I really have about only four or five podcasts that I listen to regularly and I can just kind of keep that in order. But um, I don't know. I just use the the main podcast app and I've been fine with it. Yeah, that's (laughs) you're probably you mentioned hearing about all the other apps. That's my wife's long suffering, uh, I guess, being married to a podcaster who likes checking out different podcast apps i'm always like no but have you tried out pocket cast because you can do this and you can do that or whatever it's like no and then i install it and it inevitably crashes her ipad or something <laughs> like, that's why i'm just using yeah. the, right, 
basically. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, like, I get it. I do. But I've just never been uh, inconvenienced by the, I, I, like, I, I guess I'm not necessarily interested or have been driven by all the features. I just want something that works. And at the moment, the podcast app works. And it, I just haven't felt the need to try something else. Yeah. New. I think and I so, did download one at one point and it was like I I wanted to subscribe or something basic and it was like upgrade to the pro version for $3 <laughs> to do that. And I was like, what? <laughs> nope. And it's not even that $3 is a lot of money. I, I'm, I'm definitely not anti-paying for apps. But when it was a feature that was built into the primary application, the free one, it's like that is an unnecessary expenditure. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad that Apple's put some time and effort into making that app better. The the it, that app has gotten so much better, and now that they've made it something that's pre-installed on iOS eight, uh, I think was when they did it. So now that it's basically on every iPhone, uh, I think that's a huge thing for podcasting, and um, it's been much much easier now to tell people to go check out my show if they're interested, because I don't have to explain. Okay, so here's what podcasts are. They're this thing. It's like a radio show, but it's like TiVo for radio, but not. It's more like an internet thing, and you have to download this app on your. It's very complicated. Yeah. So when I was uh, on that note, when I was telling people about this. I was like, it's nice. We're going to get to go and talk to someone about podcasts that is not explaining to someone what a podcast is. <laughs> so I've been, I've been looking forward to this show. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. And having the link, you know, if you're on your phone or iPad or whatever, and just you click on a thing and you might not even know what a podcast is, but it opens up in the podcast player automatically. You don't have to go download an app. It's made our jobs uh, that a little easier. It still is like a, a bit of a process to get someone subscribed and go back and listen again or whatever but but um at least the app is there and they don't have to go th get sent to the app store and try and figure out what podcast right. app to listen to or download or whatever first and, and then they're lost because they'll go download candy crush or something instead cause yeah <laughs> why bother <laughs> all right well um in wrapping up i guess where can where can folks find you guys follow you and and keep up with the show sure well the best place to keep up with the show is of course our our beautiful website, which is uh, www.theshortgame.net. Um, and there's links there to everything. And uh, you can take a look at our back catalog. I'd say the best way to, to check out the show if you're interested would be to look over our list of past episodes and see if there's anything on that list that you've already played and enjoyed and uh, and are interested in hearing a little bit more about. Um, and you know, go back and listen to one of those old episodes. Um, but of course, you can subscribe to us there too. And there's links to iTunes and all that kind of thing. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter. Our show is at underscore short game um, because there was a golf documentary that took at short game. <laughs> and um, we are, uh, I'm Reagan K on Twitter or Ray Gank. It's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Uh, Nate? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Nate S-T-L. Oh, and if you love the sound of Nate's voice, he's got one other podcast that he's a part of. Nate, do you want to plug it real quick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've kind of, since this is the short game, I didn't want to talk about it too much. But I am on a podcast that focuses specifically on the St. Louis Cardinals. It's actually something that I run with my cousin and um, had been doing since before the short game. But it's called Talking About Birds. And fortunately, no one has used that before. So you can find it on all the stuff like website, uh, talkingaboutbirds.com at talk about birds things like that it's kind of a small market but if you happen to be <laughs> listening to this and you happen to be a st louis, uh, st louis cardinal fan then 
Don't if you, listen. listener, who happens to be interested in uh, how podcasts are made and is the St. Louis <laughs> Cardinals fan. <laughs> and um, also, yep. <laughs> then this is your lucky moment. Um, also, we got a couple other co-hosts who aren't here. And uh, if for some reason, having not heard from them yet, you want to follow them on Twitter, that's Shane at 8BitShane and Laura at Laura J. Nash on Twitter. Nice. Yeah, great. And and definitely, yeah, check. I, I just <laughs> was Googling and I got talking birds dot something uh which obviously is not your sh- your podcast we're not, we're not <laughs> most popular where if you just google talking birds or it's talking about birds uh dot com so yeah. you got to be pretty specific with it <laughs> so yeah i was trying to listen and type and then i was like i thought oh this looks interesting it looks a little old a little dated website and i was like no actually this is actually literally talking about birds not <laughs> <laughs> so uh, well, yeah we're trying we kind of think it, we think it's funny that people might confuse us for a podcast about bird watching uh, but we're also aware that people might actually just confuse us for you know some sort of parrot or something like that like i've gotten i've gotten emails like hey are you interested in purchasing uh talking to birds.com or like, <laughs> talking birds.net it's like no well, but I think thanks. it's a it's an opportunity. You know, baseball season's only so long. You've got some months there where you could cover some. You know, <laughs> During the offseason, we actually so. are talking a, a podcast about birds. I like that. <laughs> there you go. Got to diversify in this uh, intense well, podcast. We did have a, we did have a segment in the show. I I had a, a whole story with um this morning dove that kind of made a nest on our front porch and and laid eggs and raised babies in front of us and so i had a segment in the show called talking about actual birds and i just kind of every week would give them the miranda the name of the bird we named her miranda and uh just kind of the miranda report it was good times so, <laughs> nice. that's the kind of you know breaking uh you know cutting edge podcasting that we bring to you on talking about birds right <laughs> just like cereal Exactly. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks guys for coming on. Uh, show me your mic. Uh, of course, uh, like I mentioned, you can find all the links and the things we discussed here at goodstuff.fm slash SMYM slash 78 for the episode number. My thanks to Campaign Monitor and uh, Small Orange for supporting Good Stuff and Show Me Your Mic. If you'd like to support Show Me Your Mic and my podcasting efforts a little more directly, you can do so on my Patreon, patreon.com slash iChris. And I'm on the Twitters, of course, I, Chris, and Show Me Your Mic is S-M-Y-M underscore F-M. And uh, Good Stuff has its own Twitter account, Good Stuff underscore F-M, if you'd like to be aware of both this show as well as all the other shows, all the great shows that we do at uh, Good Stuff. They'll uh, follow that Twitter account and be alerted to live recordings that we do, like this one, usually typically Tuesdays, and then uh, there's other shows, Transmission, The East Wing, etc., that record live and or just broadcast out. You can. Uh, I'm going to be a guest on a show on on Good Stuff. Uh, Carrie Halstead has a show called I Guess We're Grownups Now that I guess I qualify for now. And uh, so that episode should be out. I think we're recording it today. Anyways, it'll be out in a week or so if you want to check that out. Uh, good discussion about grown-up things, I guess. We'll find out. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs>